If you're a veteran or military spouse of an early stage startup or small business and feel like you're making it up as you go, then you've come to the right place. Welcome to The Transition, where we demystify the entrepreneur experience for veterans and military spouses who've already made or are looking to make the transition from the military into entrepreneurship. I'm your host, Iron Mike Stedman, the voice of the bunker. I'm a Marine Corps veteran, social entrepreneur, and member of the Bunker Lives branding team. In the following episode of The Transition, we're kicking off the new year with Army veteran and Bunker Labs ambassador, Vic Hill, CEO of Hill Vision, a boutique family-owned holding firm that features a diverse portfolio of companies, including real estate, technology, and media, just to name a few. Vic recently secured a 100K pre-seed investment for his tech startup, MyRuck, an API service that enables corporate partners to provide their customers with real-time analysis of their military benefits profile. MyRuck enables the seamless ability to track and access benefits earned through military service, as well as connect with other veterans and their families. As a National Guardsman, Vic noticed a discrepancy regarding accessing military benefits for non-active duty service members, such as those in the National Guard and Reserves, and began working on MyRuck to address the issue. On the show, Vic discusses MyRuck, as well as his long-term plans for Hill Vision, and how he manages to keep things running smoothly while managing multiple businesses. Before you hear from Vic and I, be sure to subscribe to the Transition Newsletter at the link in the show notes. If there's a topic you'd like me to cover on the show or in the newsletter, shoot me an email at mike.stedman at bunkerlabs.org or message me directly on LinkedIn at Iron Mike Stedman. This episode of The Transition is brought to you by MetLife Foundation and their commitment to supporting veteran and military spouse entrepreneurs. In addition, MetLife Foundation provides mentorship and financial health resources to veterans and military spouses transitioning into the workforce. As always, I hope you enjoyed today's show and that accelerates you on your own entrepreneurial journey. Vic, my man, welcome to The Transition. What's going on, brother? Oh, man, it's a blessing to be here. I appreciate it. My man Vic has been in the hustle. He's got an 11-year-old daughter. He's going to grad school. He's running my ruck. Got a lot going on. And uh, I always appreciate these platforms. <laughs> yeah, One, yeah. Uh, because uh, Vic had been hitting me up for a minute. And I just been running around. <laughs> and I was finally able to get him on the office hours. And we we're on office hours. I was like, bro, we're jumping on the transition and going to chop it up. We're going a little bit more of a deep dive. But in all seriousness, man, it's an honor to have you here. And I would love for us to start out by having you introduce yourself to the bunker. Definitely. Um, what's up, everybody? Vic Hill. I am the founder of uh, Hill Vision. It's my own holding company. Uh, I invest in tech, which is my startup, MyRuck. Uh, we're automating service member benefits. I also invest in uh, multifamily real estate, mostly here in uh, Southern California. And then I have a digital media startup as well. And mentor veterans through Bunker. What is it about veteran entrepreneurs and our military spouse entrepreneurs that we're always doing like three ventures at once instead of just like one thing at a time? Why can't we, can we just not help ourselves? I mean, what is it? You know, interestingly enough, veteran entrepreneurs are unique because in the military, although you have one trained job, you're never just doing that job. You got additional duties up the wazoo. <laughs> so I think we're, you know, it's naturally 
it's natural for us to just gravitate towards things that we are good at or can get our hands on. I also noticed that a lot of us are impact driven. So we're always trying to help other veteran entrepreneurs, military spouses like ourselves, or give back to the community or something along those lines. So even if our core business isn't a social enterprise or so, we still meet that need outside of it with a nonprofit or just volunteering our time, et cetera. Yeah, definitely. Um, Bunker provides that really with the ambassador program. So that's been a huge help for me, just personal growth and then being able to help others and contribute. Um, my sweet spot is always early stage. Have you always been interested in early stage? Um, that seems to be where all the fun is at. <laughs> um, there, you'll meet more early stage creative founders than you will in the late stage areas just because it's a natural funnel, right? Um, ideas always don't make it to actual businesses or profitable businesses, but the ideation is, it's unique to everybody. Um, so that's where the interesting part comes in and you're just always hearing new ideas and like, wow, how can I help? I think early stage appeals to me because I'm just, I'm a scrappy guy, right? So like even at Ironbound, right? (laughs) As an amateur boxing coach, I'm the guy to go from zero to zero to ten. Right, I can get anybody that can walk and chew bubble gum up to ten amateur fights. Right, like I have my style, I got my system, it works well, and so that's kind of my sweet spot. Now, obviously, scaling up and stuff, I start passing them along to some of my other coaches. I can't operate at that level, but for me, I like more teaching and introducing people to the sport and uh, getting them going. Um, and I was really good at that for a long time. Now I'm at the advanced spot. So I just, I'm the guy that does mitts, right, and passes them to that early person. But for me, that's where I came up with. For entrepreneurship, I love going to market, right? I love helping uh, mm-hmm. entrepreneurs in our ecosystem go from idea to invoice. Like, that's my sweet spot. I love it. And then on my brand strategy yeah, side, I can help them refine their branding to go, you know, once they got a little revenue, now they need to get to that next level. This is when I help them really dial it in. But I have a soft spot for early stage. It's something about making it real. Plus, I like making sausage. I got no fears from it. And so I'm, I have no qualms like getting in there. But I feel like that's a lot of our community, right? A lot of the Bunker Lab ecosystem from my experience over the last, I don't know, four to five years is really these early stage founders that are just out there hooking and jabbing, vibing and weaving, trying to figure out how to bring oh, their yeah. venture to life. That's how you have to do it. That's, 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 um, many aren't given that golden nugget, you know, right off the top. So you have to get scrappy, you know, pinch, penny pinch where you can and, um, find the strategy where needed. So it's fun. It's fun. It never stops. You know, one of the things we do on this show is we take off our armor. So now that I got you on, feel free to take off your armor for our uh, listeners and let them know something you're struggling with personally or professionally. It's a veteran entrepreneur. Bring in my ruck, Hill Vision, whatever else you got going on in your life. <laughs> uh, you know what? I honestly always struggle with uh, balance. It's always a tug of war. Just uh, balancing being a father 
um, being a new husband, balancing family, you know, extended family. I have a huge family here in Los Angeles. Um, you know, they'll text me on a Monday. I may not get back to them to the next Monday. Uh, and that, and that's hard for me, you know, to deal with. And it like kind of weighs on you constantly. And you're kind of just stuck in this, this tunnel where you're just constantly focused and like, well, I got to get to this next level. You know, they always talk about find your why, but, um, but I'm trying to get to Z. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. We were younger, right? We feel like we had all this time in the world, right? Like just straight up laziness, sitting on the couch, playing the game or whatever. Then you get older and it's like, damn, like I feel like I have less and less time. Like my time is shrinking. And so it is finding that kind of balance of like, how do we always maintain that locus of control with our time and focus on the things that like really matter? Um, Because I've been reading this book. And I might even do a podcast on it. It's called Organize Tomorrow Today. And one of the things it was talking about was channel capacity. So, like, right now, you know, there's this whole productivity growth hacker, all this other stuff. But the people that operate at the high level, they're not trying to be super efficient and maximize every second. It's more about they're only focused on the key tasks. They're going to, you know, move the ball up the field. And each and every day they look at their list and they're like, okay, what are the three things that are going to get us the furthest? And that's what they focus on. Instead of like, I'm going to do 20 things that get me nowhere. Um, And so I'm real inspired by that. And I appreciate you sharing about, you know, uh, that balance. For me, I'm going to take off my armor. And I am, I'm at a crossroads in my entrepreneurial journey. I feel like I'm leveling up. Like I really feel like I'm leveling up. Stuff's moving. You know, Ironbound's moving, the media company, Ironbound Boxing's rolling. You know, a lot of positive things happening in my life, right? Book coming out, Black Bear and Entrepreneur. And I am at a crossroads of where I need to be more intentional about the future. So I've kind of had these visions in my head of things I want to do. But now I've like got to start getting it down on paper and connecting the dots to get there. Because a lot of people, and I would like to say this, I have been very intentional, I think, you know, um, over the last few years. But to go from 1% to that point 0.01% takes that serious intentionality. We got to get it down on paper. And so balancing, reading, positivity, you know, self-help, all that other stuff, but also making sure that, like, I'm implementing that myself. So I'm really good at implementing business strategies that I get from books and stuff, but that hard, deep work of like, yo, you need to write out your vision of the future, get down your five-year, three-year, all that other stuff. Like, that's where I'm at. And I was like, I appreciate my self-awareness to understand of like, okay, enough consuming this stuff. Let's get your vision and your life down on paper so you can bring it um, into fruition. I do it every year. Every year, my wife and I, since we met, um, since we were just dating, we started with a coffee sleeve when we were at a cafe in Culver City, California, and we wrote down our three to five year plan. We hadn't looked at it for a while, but after maybe two years, we took a look and we hit everything that we wrote down. And after we found that out, we were like, Hey, you know what? Let's do this every year. Um, reach for the stars, 
and we'll land on the moon and we've hit so many markers to where sometimes we have to slow down and say like we're doing pretty well um where is it that we want to go next why do we want to go there next and um how do we get there absolutely man because again like you said uh we can always add more stuff to our plate right and then we start getting on this hamster wheel and like what is the why like what are we ultimately trying to get to <laughs> and like i talked to a lot of my clients about this they're like mike i want to have a hundred million dollar company i'm like why do you want to have a hundred million dollar company so i can create more impact why, i can da 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 I'm like, listen, you can create a hell of a lot of impact without that. And do you even know what it takes to make a $100 million company? You know, what you're going to have to sacrifice and give up. So, you know, once you understand the why behind things, you can also look for new ways to accomplish it. Like me, one of my goals is to be a venture capitalist, invest in more uh, minority veteran entrepreneurs, right? Invest in veterans, people in my network, whatever. I want to help people. In the interim, right, I have my podcast. I have these platforms where I'm able to invest in them through knowledge and content, still get fulfilled, right? And so then you start looking down the road, and it's like even if you don't necessarily raise a fund and do all this other stuff, you're still able to say, okay, am I accomplishing what I wanted to do? And by and large, I am. So that's enough of my spiel. I just know, you know, I can't be asking my guests (laughs) to take off their armor if I don't share something um, myself. I like that. Yeah. I mean, transparency is key. I don't trust a lot of people who don't, uh, who aren't transparent with like sources of income, um, what they really want to do, being vulnerable and stuff like that. I can't, can't trust them. Well, that's one thing I appreciate about the Bunker Labs community is it brings guys like you and us together. And how did you get connected with Bunker Labs in the first place? I know you were in the veterans and residents. Was it out in Boston? No. Um, so here in Los Angeles, I had reached out to um, one of the L.A. ambassadors on LinkedIn. I'm, a, I'm good at LinkedIn. I just cold messaging like, hey. Um, but I had all simultaneously reached out to Ben Lang and he was starting in the cohort. And it just so happens that we had scheduled a coffee um, two blocks from where the Los Angeles VIR was still, I still hadn't heard of VIR. Um, these were just people who were veterans, right? <laughs> so these are people who are veterans who were in the space. And I was like, Oh, let me reach out to him. And, uh, after my meeting with Ben Lang, he encouraged the LA cohort to have me join it with my company. So, and it all started there 2019. Before that, had you been connected with the veteran entrepreneurial ecosystem? Was this like your first exposure? With veterans? Yeah, I just meant veteran entrepreneurs. Because I know when I left the military, I always pictured like veterans wearing campaign covers. Nothing wrong with our campaign covers, right? But I didn't associate that like, hey, there's this really sick veteran and military spouse entrepreneur out there, where entrepreneurship community out there where we're working on, you know, small businesses, nonprofit startups, et cetera. And that this is something that like I have access to, like this is my tribe. So I was curious to know. Honestly, like, no. You had that before Bunker. No, not at all. Um, it wasn't until I started digging into uh, veteran benefits and I ran into that problem. And then I just started talking to folks. And then I hopped on LinkedIn, like where are all the vet entrepreneurs at? 
so you know a couple of keyword searches later and boom like BIR it's still one of the only communities that I know about um, at this scale so even going back right this ties into your story of how you became an entrepreneur in the first place I'm curious to know I know you did the reserves right you had a different experience than those of us that went on active duty but I also know you're a military intelligence officer and in the Marine Corps like mil- military intelligence, I mean, you had to be on point. I don't know about the army though. You know, the <laughs> army don't have the same standards as the marines. But I'm curious to hear what led you to pursue, you know, entrepreneurship both with Hill Vision and my rep. Well, it started for me in college. I went to Loyola Marymount here in Los Angeles, and uh, I think I stumbled upon uh, LVMH, Louis Vuitton, White Hennessy, the holding company. And I was just fascinated by how they drove value to their subsidiary companies. Uh, most people know the subsidiaries, but don't know the holding firm that runs them all. And I was like, you know what? I want to do that. I want to drive value to, to everything that I'm interested in. And so I started there. I kind of started backwards, though. I was like, you know what? I need a corporation. I need these subsidiary companies within it. Uh, appoint CEO, trusted CEOs who can run those subsidiaries. Uh, um, and it was a learning experience. Uh, I had my first tech startup with a development team overseas, managed that. And, uh, you know, it started really in college I had my dad who um had his own little startups and then my grandfather who was a marine shout out to the marines <laughs> um both my grandparents you know uh aren't one army one marine corps um my grandfather on my dad's side he owned a lot of real estate in compton california so that real estate bug has always been there that tech bug came in and then, you know, some sort of fashion and all that came in uh, during college. And now Hill Vision has a tech arm, digital media, and um, real estate, and they're all plugging away. But it was kind of lonely, you know, trying to figure all that out because I didn't really have a mentor or anything like that. And then joined the National Guard, had a daughter when I was 21, um, deployed with active duty, just back, go, goes back to balance. <laughs> had life come in full you know, force. Um, yeah, just trying to break barriers. Uh, my wife and I, we talk about it all the time. Uh, our parents started off, you know, lower middle class, maybe. Uh, got good jobs. They uh, retired or going into retirement. And our thought process is, okay, they did that and they did it well. How do we take that a step further for the next generation? And ours is uh, starting a business. Ours is getting that passive income and really backing into that, that bottom line number that we need. We don't need a billion dollar company, but what's 25K of passive income do for, for our family per month or 83K, you know? 
Love it, man. And there's a bunch of stuff that you said that I really resonate with. And here's why. Today, I have two business coaches. One name's Bill Watkins, another one named Pia Silva. And on, when I coach and call with Pia today, she made us write out our dream. She made us write out our daily life in the future, the dream we have for ourselves. Mm-hmm. And one thing I wrote on here was I want to check in with my CEOs to make sure my ventures are running smoothly and uh, see where they need help so I can add value. And I have been following a guy named Andrew Wilkinson, which they call the Warren Buffett of the Internet. And he runs Tiny, right? So he has all these different uh, small businesses, tech startups, you know, that he basically buys and puts CEOs on and then oversees through Tiny, et cetera. And I got introduced to that, that model as well. And so there's a book out there called The Warren Buffett CEO. I haven't read yet, but I'm going to be reading it. And so I'm curious from... You know, you said, okay, I want to do this kind of holding company mentality and have these different brands out there. What stage are you at now? Is it like you have, you know, you have CEOs running them, you know, you got contractors, vendors. I mean, how many people, how big is your team and what does it look like at like the the tactical level? Yeah, so the real estate arm, that team consists of about five and then we'll be bringing on a VA towards the end of the year, virtual assistant. The tech company, we have a total of nine. And then the digital media company, there's four with a potential investor coming in for that. Um, my wife and I, we run the holding company ourselves. She just did the books yesterday. <laughs> um, so right now we're at the stage of building the teams, managing the teams, getting the duplicatable processes in place, um, raising capital for two or three, uh, the real estate I syndicate for myself. So I raise capital through um, investors who I know. I just find the deal and manage it. Um, So I would say towards the end of next year, we'll look towards uh, appointing a new CEO, probably to the digital media company. Um, cool chameleon and then the tech company that's a bit of a slower process because it's government contracts and so it takes a little bit longer but we i see the same process for that as well now when you had these companies sorry not had let me rephrase this when these companies were getting off the ground were you the operator were you like in the trenches validating the business model scaling it up and moving yourself out or you know, that you find people to say, hey, I think this is a good idea. Let's partner on it, et cetera. Uh, So as I built the team, it was people who believed in it and wanted to be a part of it. Um, So that's that's also a key is um, everyone I work with, I trust. And if I don't trust them, I get rid of them. What's interesting about this, too, is we always hear this as entrepreneurs. You need to work on the business, not always in the business. So in the business is like sending the invoices or, in my case, editing audio and all this stuff versus working on the business is like setting the strategic plan, you know, finding key partners, right, like at a high level. And a lot of entrepreneurs never make it out of being in the business, particularly those in the bunker community. They're fulfilling orders. They're walking it to the, uh, you know, the, uh, what do you call it? The post office and doing all that other stuff. 
Yet you did you have to learn both at the same time? So you you already went into it with the mentality yeah. of like, yo, I'm not trying to be an operator. I'm building a holding company. I need to get this thing going, and then I need to make it run without me. Yeah, um, and that that's also a part of building the team is you have to know who can do what within the business to take you out of it. Because as long as you keep it's just like the military. I'm still in command. Um, being able to delegate down and trust who you're delegating to allows you to create that top cover for all those who are working with you, for you, what have you. Um, so it enables me to continue to refine the strategic plan on a higher level and kind of deliver down like, hey, like we're going to pivot a little bit this way, but all you need to do now is this and this, and then it'll create this exponential growth for us in the long run. What did you start with? What was the company you started with first? Uh, it was my ruck. Yeah. I mean, that's the longest. Um, it, it'll take the longest to develop. It's technology, it's AI, it's government contracts. Um, but I started with that most recently. And then real estate came in after I got back from my deployment. So you had a full-time job before you, mm -hmm. while you were, you know, um, a reservist, right? You go on deployment, you come back, right? And then you're like, all right, let me lean into my ruck. You start looking for other opportunities. You're like, okay, well, let's do this real estate. And then you saw an opportunity to start a digital media company as well. Well, so, and it's all strategic, right? So my rec started 2019 with my own problem, trying to figure out how a National Guardsman can use his VA loan, become eligible, and then use his VA loan, his or her. Um, so then I deploy. I volunteered for this deployment so I can become eligible for my VA loan. Um, I find it, I fly out myself, I attach to a unit that's already out there. Get eligible for my VA loan 90 days in. Uh, initially was supposed to buy a single family um, with my now wife, girlfriend at the time. Come back, uh, start uh, rejiggering my ruck, kind of doing surveys again, seeing if it's still... Uh, a relevant problem. At the same time, I'm trying to figure out like, why am I doing this? What's the end goal? The end goal for me is passive income so I can continue to drive value and start offloading all the things that I do. And I was like, oh, shoot. Um, there's a group called Active Duty Passive Income, ADPI. Um, so I was referred to them and I was like, oh, well, I need to get a multifamily property with this VA loan. So I went full-time National Guard, purchased my first triplex um, in Long Beach, California, got renters in. The next year, bought another property in Palos Verdes, California, syndicated for that. And towards the end of that, a buddy of mine who's just an amazingly talented virtual reality, 3D, digital media artists, um, and he's um, master's in architecture, 
we get together and we're like, hey, I think we could work together because we have, you know, similar ideas and thoughts and stuff like that. Turns out his sister's a uh, master illustrator. You know, I bring in a buddy of mine who's good at marketing. And we're like, hey, I think we should create this company. This is the value that it would bring. Started here in L.A. And it was kind of like a snowball effect. We've been moving at light speed so far. So that's how everything kind of came. Well, I appreciate you sharing because, uh, you know, one of the things is you start listening to stuff you're like, wait, let me make sense of this. Wait, we got my ruck on. We got technology over here. <laughs> we got this digital media. But it's like it, it makes sense. Now, when I think about like operating systems, okay, and also let me go back before I say operating systems. Did you go full time in the holding company or were you still or are you still, you know, active duty um, reserve? I so I'm back to uh, called M Day. So one week in a month, National Guard. I've been in command. I've been a detachment commander since I pretty much since I got back from my deployment. So that's been a little more than just one week in a month. Um, and then I, yeah, then I got a contract position in the DOD. And I'm able to kind of compartmentalize my days so I don't have to go full time until I have to go full time. What's the challenge like when you're running all these different entities and making sure that you have healthy cash in the holding company to make sure you're able to cover down on certain things? And then also you got all these different people associated with it, too. So it's no longer just you and your wife. Like you said, you've got the tech team. You've got the real estate, you got the syndicate, you know, the people you bring in, you got this, the, the media company over here on the side. Like, talk to us about the real challenges with that, because I know just as an agency owner, right, I'm always checking my cash balance to make sure that, you know, I, one, always have money to cover basic expenses, two, make sure we're good, you know, six months out. And then also I'm trying to think strategically, how can I compensate my team more? You know, because my goal is to make sure every one of my team members has a livable wage. You know, right now they're all contractors, but we're making that jump that I was talking about before. Yeah, I mean, the reality of it is my my wife and I, we we do pretty well. And we've worked very hard to uh, get to where we are financially. And then getting this triplex initially was probably the best decision we could have made because what are the two biggest expenses people have? Their mortgage or rent and their vehicle. Outside of that, we don't have debt. And because it's a triplex, we have renters. Um, so we out of pocket less than we did when we were renting. Uh, we have I rent out one of my Teslas when I'm not driving it. If I'm traveling, throw it on Turo or something like that. So that knocks out that monthly payment. And all the excess cash that we have goes into building. Whether it's building our investment account, building our cash savings, or building our business. 
I told y'all he was a military intelligence officer. See, now he's starting. The more he talks, the, the you know, his wisdom and his IQ uh, starts to show. Now, I want to go back to my question about operating systems, right? So I listened to this podcast, and I was because I was like, I had this idea in my head of what I wanted to do. I just didn't know how to explain it. And I came across a podcast called a One Man Venture Studio. And it was a guy that mm-hmm. ran like, he was running all kind of stuff. He's got like a media company. He's got a fireworks company. He's got all these different companies that don't look very much interrelated. But what he does is he all operates them on EOS, which is the Entrepreneurial Operating System. Gino Wickman wrote a book about it and stuff, et cetera. Now, I don't use EOS. Other people do. But when I say operating system, I just talk about like, okay, how are we managing this? Right, like, what does a week look like at Hill Visions? You know, battle cadence. Like on Monday, we got our stand up. Tuesday here, etc. You know, you got OKRs, you got 4DX, you got all these different things. Kind of people are using, and I'm just curious to know, like, how are you approaching managing your company from an operational perspective? Like, have you learned? Are you pulling from some of these resources, or are you just creating your own? You know, your little TNR manual. Hi. Yeah, I, I pull from a lot of those. I read a lot of books about it. Um, for example, like this morning, I went on a seven-mile run, and the whole time I'm just listening to – I don't even listen to music anymore when I work out. It's either motion, motivational music or a book, and I lose myself for, what, an hour? Um, but my operating systems – I wouldn't even be able to define it because I compartmentalize a little different every day. Um, something else gets a priority every day. So today I didn't touch Hill Vision. By default, I did because I'm helping the other businesses. But ultimately, Hill Vision is ran by my wife. She That's the books. That's making sure that we can still do all the things that we do. And she'd be like, hey, we're looking like this right now. I'm like, okay, I'll adjust here, put more energy towards that. Um, I do have regular stand-ups with the tech team. That's biweekly. And so I talk to each of the eight team members uh, at least once a week. Small business is hard. A lot of businesses fail. No market need, they ran out of cash. You're up and running, y'all off to the races, both on real estate and uh, with uh, the media. But venture-backable tech startups, a whole different beast, with a really, really high failure rate. There's a lot of cash that goes in the hole uh, at the beginning, building a tech product. And here you are saying you got eight team members. Um, you're spending time on it. Talk to us about the tech. Like, did you have to fundraise for it? What was it like uh, covering so- the initial you know, team members to build the product? They're all, um, not all, but we have six advisors on the board, right? So that's an option pool. This is, and this is all stuff like that you learn through trial and error, business school, books, YouTube, what have you. But uh, C Corp, you know, you have uh, the advisor option pool or employee pool. So our advisors are on a vesting schedule with equity. Uh, the three team members uh, are executive team, CEO, CO, CTO. Uh, 
my initial co-founder, Brad and I, we've dished out cash to get started, get some MVPs going and, you know, do the research. And everybody else is uh, equity for the sake of believing in the product. What's the hardest part about bringing this um, this vision to life? I mean, you started with it, but you've also built up these two others. But, you know, what's the, what's the, the pain point um, currently? The pain point is that the problem that we are trying to solve has to do with veteran homelessness, unemployment, underemployment, and suicides. Um, that presents an issue because you involve the entire U.S. government, state and local governments, um, and then the service members themselves. So one can look at our target market and say it's too small in comparison to an Uber, Dropbox. Name it, Name another tech company that says our market is everyone. But what is not seen is the ability for software to be integrated and almost mandated for military. So you've seen companies like uh, there's DFast, there's um, Conquer. Uh, you can name a few. Ipsa just got ro- uh, rolled out for Army for all components, mandatory. Um, you see defense contractors winning $450, million contracts. And the soldiers or the, the service members don't see it on their level for, what, 10 years? So we're talking about affecting something that will affect um, tax dollars, right? So what happens when you start lessening the number of suicides, when you start lessening the number of homeless, when you start getting people better jobs, more, more better employed, you increase the ability for local and state governments, federal governments to have more tax dollars reallocated for things that are more preventative and less reactive. So there's less suicide prevention programs or money allocated towards that because there's less suicides. We're not building homeless shelters because veterans are buying homes. I think it would help. Um, I think it would help to walk our listeners through what my ruck actually does. Cause I don't know if I mean, you just jumped in and we just start kind of chopping it up, but uh, just give us even just a quick high level view. Cause I know you say all these different issues within the veteran space, but essentially mm-hmm. your platform does X. What my Rick does is uh, we automate service member benefits. So a service member can upload their DD 214 or our past statement for a reservist or a guardsman. And we take that data, the necessary data, your service record, we match it with open source information, web scraping tools, and AI to where as early as raising your right hand, getting done with basic training, and throughout your career and throughout retirement, you have what benefits you're eligible for at a federal, state, and local level at your fingertips. 
you know what you can do before you can even do it. So our, our whole premise is that um, if I knew then what I knew now, if I knew I could be eligible for a VA loan years ago, I've been in a house a year, years ago. If I knew I can go back to school, I can go to Onward to Opportunity um, and get certified a PMP. Um, how long ago would I have done that and how would my life look now? Um, so for us, it's a, it's, it's a lot about awareness and prevention uh, by way of technology and a lot of data that's not currently being utilized. So here's what's interesting about what you just said, okay? Because I'm a brand strategist, and I design categories, right? So I know how to look into the future and create a category that doesn't exist yet, right? Hmm. We know that people spend a lot of money with the federal government, right? Let me say, the federal government spends a lot of money, right? So... Yes. They're one of the largest the employers in the United States, right? Venture capitalists, people start drooling. They call it dual use, right? Where it can work for the private sector um, and yep. also the public sector, et cetera. So we already know that, all right? But the reason why I'm thinking out loud is I just got in a, a car wreck a week ago. I got rear-ended out here in Newark. And I deal with USA, which is amazing. Ah. Shout out to USA. I might need to get them on the podcast, talk innovation or something. But I'm used to the appraisal coming to you, looking at your, um, looking at your vehicle, you know, and then you know doing all that. Now it's all online. So literally, I took photos, I sent them in. Internet came back and was like, okay, this is uh, what you're eligible for. Da 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 da. Money was in my bank account. Right. So people are yes. already doing what you said, but it's just like there's this this pool here where it hasn't caught up yet. And I'm curious to know, as you're selling this idea, you're selling this vision, what has been the pushback you're getting been getting from investors, venture capitalists, et cetera, when we know the federal government spends a lot of money on this stuff and someone is going to be the recipient of it, um, whether it's you or whoever else solves this problem. Mm -hmm. Biggest pushback I see is um, the belief in being able to pull it off. Not that it won't be a benefit. And being able to pull it off without resources or scrapping and trying to figure out how to do it yourself takes a little longer. Um, I don't come from money, you know, so trying to make sure that we do it right we provide the right value because each and every person involved with my ruck is either a veteran, a military spouse, or what have you. And we've all gone through the, a version of the problem that we're trying to solve. So the pushback isn't, will this help? It's, can you do it? Um, because it's a big I, I always say it's uh, climbing Mount Everest. It's not a simple problem to solve. No. Because there's a lot of moving components, right? You got, you know, private uh, records, all that stuff. You got, you know, the cloud. There's just a bunch of stuff that goes on. You got a test, et cetera. 
Have you thought about identifying potential channel partners, right? They have a lot more capability than you do, but don't necessarily have the capability to bring this to life, whether it's MetLife or freaking USA. And I say this, you listen to my episode on um, (laughs) your first 10. The thing is, though, we say these names like, oh, yeah, USA, MetLife. But then it's like, yo, do we even know anyone there? Have we ever done business with them? Right. Like, can I look at my phone and say, oh, I have the CEO because as officers, actuals talk to actuals. That's what we say. Right. So we don't even want to deal with no yes. gatekeeper. We need to deal with the head honchos. And so even though I'm saying this out loud, I also recognize that, like, this probably is not the best, like, go to market either. Right. Because you don't have any. I've talked to the actuals. You have talked to actuals. Oh, yeah. And they, they've been giving you the same feedback. The feedback is that they believe in it so much, but are still hesitant that they're willing to be our first money in when we deliver our product. All right. This is great. This is good for our listeners. So for those that are not familiar with the lean startup methodology by Eric Reese, I'm going to get someone on here. We're going to actually go through it because I want to talk about this, but there's this whole thing now in MVP, minimum viable product. But now there's even getting pushback. Because people put out their MVPs and it's trash, right? And it leads to a negative <laughs> stigma. It's not saying, um, and I think people have misconstrued it as just put out whatever versus put out the best version you can at the current state you're in. And so what it sounds like investors are saying is like, hey, we need to see something in action that lets us know that you're the team that can bring the vision to life. Because everyone sells ideas all the time. But it's a whole other thing to like, in my case, I knew with Ironbound Boxing, I'm going to build the gym and then I'm going to ask y'all to help me grow. Yeah, I think also companies like Theranos and, you know, people got spooked. Um, You had big name companies get spooked by, you know, BS and MVPs, um, people solving fake problems. And I always always end with, help us solve a real problem. <laughs> so it, it's a it's a tug of war. It's like we need we need capital to build. They need customers to show that their capital is going to go to good use. So that's the reason for the more methodical approach. Have you done any major pitch competitions? And if not, I strongly consider the Rice pitch battle. You've got um, the Masters, uh, PinFed Foundation Masters program, you know, um, and start to, to, to run that, that gauntlet. I will be. Um, now that things are kind of t- taming for me in my own delegating efforts, I have gotten exponentially better. So my time my ability to to distribute my own energy is much better. So I'll be looking into it. Well, I'm excited to see your journey, man. Um, I feel like for once I finally got the full vision. And again, this is why it's important to talk to people because, you know, sometimes there's so many short conversations. We can't really get to know each other and learn. And also, you know, by you sharing your story today, it enables me, you know, as a community builder, to come across people in my network and say, hey, you need to talk to Vic or Vic, check these people out. And the same thing for people on the podcast that are listening. They're like, oh, man, I found out what Vic's doing. Now you're going to start to create a network effect. So, um, again, this is why this platform exists. 
Now, as we wrap up here, I got a couple questions for you. Number one, what is your BHAG, your big, hairy, audacious goal, both for Hill Vision and also you and your personal life? And then I also want to know what advice you would like to leave our listeners with as they continue on their own entrepreneurial journey. All right. Audacious goal is to become a VC. And it's only audacious. Some will say, oh, yeah, you can do that. That's easy. But for me, you know, being born and raised in Compton and going out, you know, moving over to Inglewood and losing some people along the way, that for me is a massive goal. It's a part of the reason why I decided to go back to school, get my MBA. There's some there's some things I want to make sure that I do not leave up to question. I watch uh, what's the show on on Compton uh, All American. I know people hit you up about that show, <laughs> but yeah, shout out to y'all out there um, watching All American. I actually I have a podcast, and I uh, had his wife on who the show's about. We grew up in the same circles. I got to check that out. <laughs> and what about advice you would like to leave our listeners with that are pursuing their own entrepreneurial journey? Uh, the same thing I just told my soldiers last week. Um, mentors, advisors, if you have them, hold their feet to the fire. They committed to you just as you're committed to them, right? Um, and for yourself, I consider myself a wolf. Um, I am the leader of my own pack. Um, if you choose to be a leader, which in entrepreneurship you are, take that shit very seriously. You have people who rely on you every single day, um, whether it's who work for you. But if you're a solopreneur, it's your product. So. Well, Vic, man, it's been a pleasure chopping up with you. Where can people find you? How can they follow you and support uh, Hill Vision? Uh, you can find me on all platforms as uh, 007 Streams. 007 Streams. I'll be sure to also include a link um, in our show notes to my ruck so that as a community we can help get the word out, spread it around investors and everything because we need to see more entrepreneurs um, like you win because it shows others in the community uh, what's possible, man. I look forward to uh, following you and being part of that journey. And for all our listeners, make sure you subscribe to the transition newsletter at the link in the show notes. Feel free to connect with me online, uh, LinkedIn at Iron Mike Stedman or Instagram. You can also uh, email me at mike.stedman at bunkerlabs.org. There's a topic you'd like me to cover on the show or in the newsletter. If you haven't visited bunkerlabs.org um, and sign up for the newsletter, you're missing out. We got programs that'll take you from idea to invoice, incubate you, and position you to go alongside other founders and CEOs. So make sure you're heading to the website, you're getting plugged into the ecosystem, and you're hanging out with entrepreneurs like myself and Vic. So until next week, peace, love, and have a great rest of your week, everyone. <laughs>